Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 6. And we started a, uh, started a little, uh, I don't want to call it little because nothing's little in the Bible, but a little series on spiritual warfare. Uh, sort of like we finished up the book of Genesis and I wasn't quite ready for the next book. <laughs> and the Lord also directed towards this study, which I am I'm being blessed by already. We started last week as sort of a introductory. In the last week, we were talking about uh, lessons in spiritual warfare, and I'll be honest, the first lesson last week was Christ is, is the victor. First lesson in spiritual warfare is Christ is, has won, and the devil is defeated, right? We don't fight because we're trying to gain the victory of Christ. We fight standing in that victory. So Jesus Christ is the victor and the devil's defeated foe. That's the first lesson in any spiritual warfare. You realize the devil's defeated foe. Okay? So that was that was that. I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and we're only going to cover verse 10. So some of us are, are race cars and some of us move like molasses. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a because the topic of the idea of spiritual warfare is not something we want to rush through anyway, because it's a reality that we face every single day, right? So it's not something that, that is sort of like, oh, it's a new thing. No, this is like, this is an everyday thing, and often for some people it's an every moment thing, the struggle that we face, right? So let's read. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord... My translation says, and in the might of his strength. My other translation says, in the strength of his might. <laughs> I'll tell you what that means in a second. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all having taken up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, also receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the Spirit, and to this end, being on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, as well as on my behalf, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Paul, I am with you, brother. Give us the words. Give me the words, as even right now, as you told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, so that proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let me just give you just a general outline of the section, just, and we're not going to get really, really far, okay? okay? So just a general outline of the section. Verses 10 to 13 are sort of a general exhortation 
I called a battle. Okay, uh, That's verses 10 to 13. Verses 20, 14 to 20 are more detailed of how to engage in that battle. Okay, Verses 10 to 13 gives us the preparation for the battle. How to be prepared for the battle. That's verses 10 and 11. 10, being strong in God in the strength of the Lord. And 11, 13, putting on the full armor of God. There's a general emphasis there. And then in verse 11, why do we need that? Why? Because the schemes in verse 11, to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12 elaborates on who our, who we're, who our enemy is, right? All these spiritual forces. They were to stand in verse 13. Okay, so that's the how to prepare, verse 10, 11, 13, and the why, verse 11 through 13. You got that? This is not school. It's not going to be a test. I'm just giving you a general outline of where we're going, okay? And then verses 14, if you look, he says, he says that word stand firm. You see that in verse 11. You see that in verse 13. And then in verse 14, he now elaborates on what that means, to stand firm, having now put on these various armor or spiritual truths of reality that are like armor. You see that? Okay, we're getting to verse 10 only today. I've already bored some people. That's okay. I haven't, I'm just barely scratching the surface. 10, verse 10, okay? Here's my main point. You want a main point? Okay, this is the main point, and then I'm going to develop it. Okay, here's the main point. First week was this. First lesson in spiritual warfare is Jesus Christ is the victor, right? This week, second lesson, which is this week, is strength begins in weakness. Or to put in other words, you could say, you cannot realize or experience the strength of God until you realize, realize your own weakness. Okay? And write that down. And we'll develop. Now I'm going to develop this in three questions I'm going to ask. Okay? Why are we to be strong in the Lord? Verse 10. See, it says, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord in, in the might of his strength or the strength of his might. Why are we to be strong in the Lord? Second question. That's the first question. Second question, how to be strong in the Lord? And the third question is, with what is this power that is available to us in Christ? So far so good? Okay, we're going somewhere. Why do we be strong, Lord? First of all, when he says to be strong, Lord, that insinuates, that implies a fear, isn't there? God says to Joshua, be courageous, be strong and courageous, right? He tells Joshua, Joshua is almost like a picture of what we're learning in Ephesians. So if you want to look at a little, little, little illustration, look at, look at Joshua, look at even the end of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 31, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. There's the point right there, right? We'll get that. Be strong in the Lord. Why is he telling this to Joshua? Because he's afraid. And oftentimes we face things that are too much for us that we fear. We, a lot of us live in fear, don't we? I love that. A lot of us live in fear. I think I'm the, am I the only one living in fear? Okay. You worry, you're anxious, you're fearful. Every little thing that happens, we have to have some reaction that's something, oh no, what does this mean? Because you know that, you know, something happens that didn't happen on your chart of that your predictive line of what you think how life should be, and you're like, God, what, what do we do with this? He goes, I have it under control, right? 
we are a very, very fearful bunch, aren't we? Maybe some of us are more people, fearful than others, but by nature, we're fearful. And that's why he tells Joshua that, be strong and be, he says, be strong and courageous and do not be trembled or dismayed for the Lord God is with you. First of all, so why be strong, Lord? Because we're fearful. Secondly, we're weak, aren't we? I mean, that to me is a big reason. <laughs> we are weak. You say, well, I don't want to be weak. I want to be strong. Well, there's where your weakness is. <laughs> you don't realize we are, look, look, I'm not going to play church today. We're talking real life. We are in a battle, in a spiritual battle, that is inundating us 24-7, and as Christians, all the more so. It affects our lives, our kids' lives, our loved ones' lives. Our, it affects everything. And we can't just say, sit back and say, well, what do we do with it? God says, be strong in the Lord. But before I can be strong in the Lord, I have to understand my own weakness, right? I have to understand that the things I face are too much for me to face on my own. Amen? The battle is too strong, too powerful, too much for us. And we face it from all kinds of fronts, don't we, right? You know, we think we're facing it just from there, but what we see, we see one person there, one enemy there, not realizing there's another coming this way, another coming this way, another coming this way, all around us, right? Uh, we get attacks from many fronts, don't we? I mean, we can think in more general terms that church itself has been undergoing attack from early on. I mean, the apostle Paul, even with, go to, go to Acts 19. Look with me at Acts 19, right? Real quick, watch this. Oh, maybe I'm skipping ahead of myself, but maybe I'm not. I am, but who cares? Acts 19. Um, Acts 20, rather, Acts 20. Acts 19, he's in Ephesus for two years, does great things. He's run out of town because all the Ephesians are getting saved, Right? And in Ephesus, there was this great temple to Artemis or Diana, right? And they made these statues to worship her, and it was a terrible thing. And people were getting saved, and he got into trouble, right? And so he's preaching the gospel, and Acts 20, he, he, is, uh, he meets with the, the, the elders of the church on his way, going to Jerusalem, but he, he passes by Ephesus, and he meets them. Acts 20, verse 13. Oh, boy. Verse 17. He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. In verse 18, he says, When they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials, which came upon me through plots of the Jews. I did not shrink, verse 20, but how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? He's sharing the gospel with them. He says, I was bound by the Spirit, and I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me, in verse 23, that chains and afflictions await for me. He says, I don't account my life as anything dear to myself, verse 24, so that I may finish the ministry and the course which I have received to testify soundly of the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 27, skip there. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And then he says to them, remember, he's, he's with these Ephesians for two years. He has taught them. He's lived with them. His life has been demonstrated. But he recognizes 
that he is departing from men and soon he may not see them ever again. He knows he'll never see them again. And he leaves them with these last words. Look at verse, verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. The Holy Spirit is God. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things. That's bad doctrine, which means doctrine actually matters. We don't just entertain. We don't put on a show. We actually teach doctrine, right? Enough with the, the fog lights, the smoke, the laser show, the whole, the whole entertainment thing of a church. We teach doctrine, because if we don't get doctrine here, we can get it. Instagram, TikTok, they got bad doctrine on those little videos. Stay away from that nonsense. Twitter, that's a whole rabbit hole of nonsense. And, and no, who else are you supposed to get truth and good doctrine from? Here. He goes. And even from among your own selves, verse 30, men will speak perverse things to draw away disciples after them. That's the thing that some, sometimes you have to be careful. When men become, in part, people want to be in charge. People want to dictate. They want to be the, the man. Why? So they can turn away disciples to follow them because they want to be elevated and worship this man. I said, what are you doing up there? You understand, I hid from this. I don't come up here in my own, I don't come, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the back room begging God for help because I realize that I have souls in the stake here. We're not just playing church, okay? Let's just be real. There's, there's souls at stake here. Friends and family, fathers, mothers, daughters, we have souls at stake. He's like, well, stop. I know the football game, guess what? My game got canceled till Monday. The Bills aren't playing till Monday, so I don't care. We're going, we're going along today. <laughs> They can have their church on Monday, okay? And if they ever win a Super Bowl, that'll be a miracle from God. (laughs) I got an amen right here. He says, therefore, be watchful, remembering. Look at this. Look at this. This is Paul speaking to them. And hear the intensity of his voice. Hear the concern that he has they were taught by the Apostle Paul. I am no Apostle Paul, but that man was obviously a man of God. He says, be watchful, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish or warn each one with tears. What's my whole point? The front that's coming to the, Satan will not delay in trying to introduce false teaching, false doctrine, false thinking, and he'll start in the church. Where does the devil show up the first time in, in, in the scripture? In the garden. What happens in the garden? It's, well, first of all, you know, it, who, who does, who, ha, what happens in the garden? God and man fellowship. And where does Satan attack first? In the holy of holies of that. Right? Well, he's not a shy devil. He's a bold devil. Right? And Paul says, here's what's going to happen. Here's the first front. It's going to come within your church right now. I just hurt my finger. Ouch. I'm on injury reserve. (laughs) 
Why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Because the battle is intense and it will come even within the depths of your own heart. It's easy to look and point fingers and say, oh, that, that church is bad, that group is bad, they're full. You know, I, obviously, there's a lot of that stuff going on. It's going on since day one. Paul's letters show, you know that. He should give warning after warning. He tells Timothy, you know, teach and preach these things. And, and you read First and Second Timothy, you look at and Titus too, the pastoral epistle, you look at how many times he emphasizes like, teaching and doctrine. Why? Because that is first where it goes wrong, Right? There's attacks against the church, both from being compromised and watered down. You see that in Jesus' letter to the Laodiceans, right? You see the, you see, um, and that, and that just goes on from there, right? And so that's one front we face. We, we had to, we, we, we face this. We also face the personal attacks, don't we? And each one of us face different personal attacks, right? You come to find out a lot of the attacks are common to all of us, right? You know, you struggle with that. I, I didn't realize that because you look perfect. And I, you realize, no, we, and the devil knows you. We, we talked about this in the men's group yesterday. <clears throat> By the way, it's a fantastic discussion we had yesterday. The devil knows your weakness. And guess what? He keeps hitting that button. And guess what? You're like Pavlov's dog. He keeps responding to that same thing, right? He doesn't have to, he doesn't even have to put up new tricks to you. He just, same thing. And then they're like, yes, you're right. You know, and, and it is a struggle, you know? And the attacks on us personally, attacks on the family, you know, husband and wife, mother and son, or mother and daughter, and da- all that is happening, right? He wants to cause division and all that kind of stuff. And yet, that's why Paul ends in, in, in Ephesians 6. He says, praying at all times, verse 18. So they were going somewhere. We're going to prayer, right? And of course, we face. So we face. Why do we need spiritual? Uh, why do we need to be strong, Lord? Because the the attacks are intense. And we face them from every which way. We face them from the world. This is the hard thing about it: is the church has now been more influenced by the world than the world has been influenced by the church. Right? Well, we want to win friends and influence people. No. Okay, and Milad knows this. That man knows the scripture. I don't want to point you up. He's a humble man. So in, in Deuteronomy, when, when he tells uh, the children of Israel, he says, y'all are to live separated lives, right? And it affected them how they're dressed. You go to Israel today, you see how these people dress. They, do, they dress differently and they eat differently. You can't, have a cheese, you can't go into Jerusalem and have a cheeseburger, right? Because meat and cheese can't mix because there's a whole lot. They have this, you know, you can't mix linen and cotton, you know? You can't mix these things. Why? Because everything they were to learn book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, was to teach them to be separate in everything you do, from top to bottom, inside and out, right? Why? Because they were to show that their God was not like the gods of Canaan, right? And so they take it seriously, but the intention was a single devotion to the Lord their God, right? So that's why all these laws are there to, to teach us the separation, this distinctiveness. The same thing that Jesus says, you're a salt in the world, you're light in the world. If salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing but to throw out. Why? So here's what happens. The world starts to introduce teachings and ideas into the church, and we start adopting them, and before, before you know it, we start looking and acting like the world. The world emphasizes and promotes man. Right? The world teaches independence from God. 
And maturity in Jesus Christ, the more you grow in Christ, the more you realize you're dependent upon God. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Oh, there you go. But you can't grow if you don't understand your own weaknesses. You see that? See, as long as you're, and I'll get to that, oh boy, I'm, as long as you, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh boy, can I take a break? I'm thirsty. I hope I can finish this verse. I hope I can at least be faithful to what God has laid on my heart. The world has its ways of doing things. It introduces things that are opposed to God, and the world and the, the church has, a, has adopted them. Say, well, well, give me an example. Here's an example. I'm going to step. Well, I hope I don't. Nobody in this room, maybe so. Christian yoga. That's like Christian yoga is. It's like calling Christian Satanism. Well, it's a stretching exercise. No, it's worship poses, what you're doing. And you're entering into a whole religious system that is so foreign to your way of thinking, so foreign to the scripture. Oh, I'm just going to use, I'm just going to dabble. Stop dabbling. Amen. Now I'm going to step on another toe here. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a whole church in California that, has, that puts out a lot of great music in the Christian world. And they have a school of supernatural ministry, and they have a school where they put out they don't call it this, but they're basically Christian tarot cards. Christian tarot cards. So I've never heard it before. That's why we don't play Bethel music in this house. I love some of the songs, don't get me wrong. But when you have the theology and teaching that you're now introducing Christian tarot cards, they'll call it spirit cards, and they go and they go to these they go to these these new age conferences and they try to infiltrate and say we want to in, impact them that way. That is totally wrong. You're hiding your light. Guess what? They see you a mile away. Those who dark in darkness, they see you a mile away. Who do you think you're? You're afraid? What are we afraid of? So I never heard of that. That's why. I, I, you know, okay, I just stepped on toes. Okay, big deal. I just did that. All right. And see, the devil is so... And that's just... I'm, I'm, it's like I was going camping. I don't really... Re- okay, my point is, we don't always realize the danger that, that, that... And sometimes we're just immune to that. We just don't realize. One time I was going camping with my dad. We were younger. It was snowing. It was, it was in western New York. And it was snowing. It was, and we crossed. We were in the backseat. Me and my brother and, and uh, some other friends were there. And we were goofing off, you know. And we had unknowingly, my dad knew this, we crossed this bridge and he hit a thing of ice and he turned down the music because we're all, you know, all loud. He goes, guys, I think an angel just guided us over this. this." My dad, my dad wasn't saved, right? He turned on me because I think an angel just brought us across this long bridge because he goes, I had no control over this bridge. And it was a bridge with a deep thing and a block of you know, ice that, and somehow we made it across my point is this, we as Christians often aren't aware or ignorant. That's why we're not to be ignorant of his schemes, which we'll get to in the coming weeks, right? How does the devil attack? How does he, how does he do what he do? You know, do we do? What he, do we does. <laughs> it's like a porky pig. That's all, folks. 
So we face the battle in all kinds of fronts. And then, we, of course, we face the battle within the flesh, that flesh, that traitor within us that wants to do the things that we don't want it to do, right? Look at Romans 8. Look at Romans 8 in verse 6. Look at Romans 8. He says, um, well, he says in verse five that the mindset on the flesh is death, but or uh, uh, is uh, uh, don't set your mind on the on the on the, well, verse five, eight five. For those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the flesh, and those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind, verse six, set on the flesh. Romans eight six, the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Look at verse seven. Watch this. Because the mind set on the flesh is what? Hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh are not able to please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells within you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him. Now, as Christians, we know there's that struggle between the old man and the new man, right? And the old man is this weakened, but it's this traitor inside that wants to, and opposes the things of God. Now I know that sometimes you st- have struggled, but if you find yourself being so hostile to the things of God, I got a question, where are you at, you know? If you're annoyed at the church, you got to be careful. If you're annoyed at the teachings of the church, or here's the one, if you want to say, I follow the teaching of Jesus, but not of the apostles, then you have a, you, there's something radically wrong there. Because Jesus is the one who appoints the apostles, and Jesus is the one who appointed Paul. He's my chosen instrument. See, some of these people, they say, I just want to follow the, Jesus. I'm going to just follow the red letters, right? Not realizing that Jesus, from, he's the Alpha and the Omega, right? It's all his word, right? Paul is my choice. And by the way, if you think Jesus is, is this, oh, I'll just let you do what you want to do. Read the book of Revelation, and read his letters to the seven churches. Hey, you're doing these things great, but I have this against you. Ooh, correction. You're doing these things great, but I have this against you. Like, correction here. Right? He's a good Lord. He doesn't ignore those. He doesn't say, la-di-da, 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 right? Why? Because he knows the battle is intense. Amen? Galatians says that we are to walk by the Spirit, and, not, and, and if you do that, you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16 to 17 says, The flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and the two are in opposition to one another. Listen, if you know you are in a battle between your flesh and your new man, you're, you know you're alive, for one thing, because if you weren't alive spiritually, there would be no battle. All right? If there's, no intent, if there's no battle or struggle, then you're not alive spiritually. But if you are having that struggle, oh, that's good news. There's a struggle there. And the hope there, of course, is you're not going to be strong in yourself, but strong in the Lord. Amen? Amen. By the way, if you want to know what the deeds of the flesh are, look at Galatians 5.19. Here's the deeds of the flesh. They're evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Gets, you know, first of all, sexual, then idolatrous, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, things like these, right? All kinds of non-stuff, divisive things, right? The devil is a dividing devil, isn't he? And of course, we face 
we, we face the attacks on the front of, of the world and the flesh and, and within the church. And of course we face, the, you know, sometimes it's Satan himself, but not, you know, and he twists and he distorts. You know, the word devil means slanderer. He's a slanderer. He's the accuser. He's the one who's always constantly putting you down. And then here's what he does. He convinces you to put yourself down so that he can just go on, and now you're starting to do his job for him. It doesn't have to be there. And then he, play, he plays that broken record over and over again in your head. I, I'm, that's where I'm at oftentimes, right? Oh, you cost every Christian. You know, and he forces you, he wants you to look within. To look at yourself. And to be strong in the Lord never starts by looking within, other than realizing your own weakness, but it's looking to the Lord. Hey, if I look within, I'll look at, and I find all kinds of garbage and nonsense, I'll be discouraged and depressed, and yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you're pointing out what I already know. What God already sees that, but I'm looking to Christ. Does that make sense? <laughs> I did say there was three questions, right? I still have, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm coming there. Okay. So we face all kinds of, we face all kinds of fronts. That's why we need to be strong in the Lord. You know, we face the enemy who's the father of lies. And Jesus says in John 8, 44, you are, he's talking to the Pharisees, you're the father of the devil and you want to do his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And basically every time he speaks, it's a lie. Oh, but it sounds so true. I, want, I, I sort of want to be that exception that God is, you're the one person that God doesn't love. Oh, I want to be that and feel sorry for myself. You know, That's the devil trying to get at you. He's trying, trying to look to yourself so that you're strong in yourself. You realize, I can't do this. Make sense? And he blinds the eyes of the world. He's the one who accuses everyone. So we face that battle. And we also face the battle in, the, in our thinking, don't we? I think that's where the battle, that battle happens quite intensely. How we think. Yeah. Here's what the devil's goal is. He wants your heart. He wants your devotion. You look at him, you see him in Luke 4, and he tells Jesus, worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. He's a crass devil, isn't he? He wants devotion he never earned, but he wants your heart. That's what he's looking for, is your devotion to him and your heart to you for you to love him and not God. Now, some people are far along that path. They don't even realize that they're on the path to absolute destruction. This is why I'm. This is why I'm doing what, what we're doing right now, right? We're not just playing church. There's souls in this room that are at stake. Some of y'all are, have been on a path of weird thinking, a twisted thinking that seems logical and right to you, but you know is wrong. You know is contrary to God. You know is on that path. And now here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ will leave the nine-nine to search after the one, right? <laughs> that Jesus Christ will go after the one who is helpless. He will cross that sea of Galilee for that man possessed by a thousand demons. What power does that man have over those? None. But Jesus Christ comes and says, I got that one. 
We are in a battle for devotion of our heart, our worship. You see this even in the King Solomon who built the temple. But the years later, after he marries all these foreign women and begins to worship their gods, there's the temple on Temple Mount, and across, I'm going to say this is east, across on the east side is the Mount of Olives. And guess what he steps up there? Altars of worship to these other gods. How does it happen? The man who builds the temple now has a heart that is divided amongst and his heart towards God turns cold. Now, if that happens to Solomon, it can happen to any one of us, right? But praise God, we have the Holy Spirit if you're a believer, right? We have something that Solomon didn't have. But I'm just giving warning. So why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Because we are weak. The battle is intense, right? Lesson one was, here's another lesson from this week. Understand your weakness, right? It starts there because you say, God, I can't do this. I can't face this. I have no power. Bingo. You start there, right? But if you're constantly saying, I can handle this. I can, do, I can manage. I'm okay. Then you're in no position to receive the strength of God. You're relying on your own strength, your own power, your own ability, your own gifts. your own. You know, and what happens if you, come, if you become disabled? When your mind doesn't think as sharp as you, because you used to rely on your mind because you're so smart and you're intelligent and that got you far in life. But what happens if that starts breaking down? Or what happens if you were a strong person and become weak and you're like, I have, I don't have this. You're going to still rely on that? See, God, have, here's what God will do. He'll allow you to reach that point, <laughs> right? He'll, he'll, he won't step in to try to rescue you. He'll allow you to reach the point where you say, God, I cannot, I am utterly helpless. Mag- not, not magic word, but <laughs> bingo, that's the word I'm looking for. That's the hard attitude because when you realize your own weakness, then you can experience his own strength. Yeah. Question number one was, why do we need to be strong in the Lord? I hope I answered at least part of it. Second question, how, how to be strong in the Lord? Go back to Ephesians. You guys, you guys there? How to be strong in the Lord. What, what does this mean? I mean, does, does this mean to be strong in your determination? No, we already looked at that. Yeah. First of all, the idea, the word strong in Greek is edunamu. It means to become capable or able of some task. It means to be endued with power. To be strengthened. And in Greek, it's in what is called the passive or middle voice. Passive means that is something you receive. So to be strong in the Lord means to receive strength from an outside source. It is strength that is foreign to you naturally. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. This strength that God gives to be strong in the Lord force means to be strengthened from an outside source. It's, it's, it's the same idea that uh, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace. You receive that. Or Abraham grew strong in faith, according to Romans 4.20. This power does not come from the believer, but uh, come from inside, but it's coming from an extra, namely God, right? Look at Ephesians 3, verse 16. Go to your, your left. By the way, a lot of the ideas in this section of Ephesians 6 are pulled from other parts of Ephesians. So look at Ephesians 3. Is everyone with me? Okay. Like you look at uh, Ephesians 3.16, he says, 
uh, he's, he's, he's actually praying, and he prays, verse 16, that he, God, would give you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. There it is. There's a strength that comes from God inside that you can't explain. All right? Before you came to Christ, those things used to bother me. Those things used to be overpower me. Now, I find now there is this ability that wasn't there before. Right? So that, verse 17, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may be firmly grounded in love. This power does not come from the believer's external source. This receiving of the strength, go back to Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord, be strength in the Lord, is of course a strength of dependency, allowing yourself to be strengthened by God. That's what Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. By the way, when Jesus Christ came to save you, he came to indwell you, his Holy Spirit indwells the believer and empowers the believer to live the life of Christ through you. So that's radical. See, that's why the, the veil of the temple was torn. Why? Because the temple in Jerusalem was replaced by the temple. Right? That's why you had in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit coming upon and filling those people, enabling the they were temples of God. And the truth is that every believer is now a temple of God. Now think about that. Whereas the temple in Jerusalem, you could not go into his presence. The high priest got that privilege once a year, and for just a short period of time, splash some of the blood and do what he does, you know, and come out, and that's it for a whole year. And no one else can go past that veil. But now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Think about that, right? To be strong in the Lord. And look, look, look! You guys are still in Ephesians with me. I, look at look at chapter one of Ephesians. Just a couple of ideas that that Paul is is bringing us to. Like in chapter one. Um, he gets similar ideas, like verse, um, verse 18 and 19 um, and 20, so that you, the eyes of your heart, having been enlightened, will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And verse 19, Ephesians 1, 19, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of the might of his strength. Same words. Right? The exact same words that are found in Ephesians 6.10. That's what Paul is really I pray that you realize what's available in the believer. You see that? And what kind of power is this? Look at this. Look at verse 20. This power, the strength and might, which he worked in Christ by raising him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Guess what? That power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now in us. Mind blown. Just, what? <laughs> this is news. I thought I was powerless. Yeah, in yourself, you are weak and powerless. But Jesus Christ Amen. and the indwelling Holy Spirit 
How are, how are we strengthened by God? First of all, it's in union with God. Look at, look at, go back to Ephesians 6. Watch this. How are you strengthened? The strength that's from the Lord, that's received, that's, uh, that is not of yourself. It's from God. It's from God himself. It's in union with the Lord. Watch. He says, be strong where? In the Lord. Not in yourself, but be strong in the Lord. That word, that idea speaks of the sphere of relationship, Right? It is this position of being in the Lord. It's the idea of John 15. I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me. And if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, you're not going to... In fact, he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do... That's what it is. Strong in the Lord. That's the same idea. So you're strong in the Lord by the sphere of relationship with the Lord. He says, be strong in that relationship, Lord. It's that Christ is uh, Christ being our life, who is uh, who is uh, the one who abides in us, and it's <clears throat> okay. Oh boy, look at verse ten again. You see that? What's the first word there? Finally. Now you said, that's a word I can skip over. No, it's not. <laughs> Why is that? Well, this, doesn't that mean he's just closing up the letter and just kind of tying up loose ends? No. <laughs> well, he is doing that. But he's basically saying this. Now, we hadn't read the entire read book. Of, go home and read Ephesians all the way through. It's worth it. Basically, when you read a, a book, when you read the book, of, I tried to read the whole book. You realize when letters were sent, somebody got the letter, they got it from Paul, they opened up, or how they, however, you use a scroll, and they read the entire letter. You know, we take weeks and weeks in a year. We went through, a, how many months did we go through Hebrews? <laughs> Quite a long time. They read it in one sitting. Just, just try that. And read it out loud. Act like you're, you're hearing it for the first time. You'll, 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 you'll see things. But he says, finally, finally what? In light of everything I've told you about your position in Christ. Watch this. I'm just going to read this. In light of all that God has done for you, in light of the fact that he has blessed you with all spiritual blessings, in light of the fact that he has chosen us in Christ to be holy and blameless, in light of the fact that he has adopted us, he's redeemed us, he's forgiven us, in light of the fact that we have an inheritance, an inheritance with them, that he's predestined us, that he has seated us with Christ in heaven and earth. In light of all that, in light of the fact that he has sealed us by his Holy Spirit, that he made us alive, in light of all this, this, this weight of truth, that he has reconciled us. To, by the way, he also made us alive. He raised us up with Christ. He seated us with Christ. By the Positionally, you and I are seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. Okay, Oh boy, that's a whole that's a whole other thing I could go on. We have peace of God, we've been brought near to God, that He's loved us in light of all the plans, in light of all these positional truths, then you be strong in the Lord. Now what am I saying here? Sometimes what gets Christians tripped up in their practical defeats, right? There isn't practical victories, is because they don't have positional victories. Okay, may say you know, okay. 
when he says, finally, and he's bringing all this truth that has happened. By the way, the first three chapters of Ephesians, it's all doctrine. Now it's all practice from four, five, and six. Walk, walk, walk. I skipped over that. Okay, listen. If you think that you have to do something to become God's child when you already are God's child, you will behave differently, right? Okay, so let's, let's assume you're a Christian, but you don't know the truths of your position in Christ, your identity in Christ. And so you'll do things, you'll approach God perhaps to earn those things. It's like the young man who didn't realize that he just won a billion dollar inheritance and he's eating food out of a garbage can. He's rich. Boy, is he acting like he's poor because he has no idea how rich he is. You right? Okay, so oftentimes we fail practically because we fail positionally. And if you come at the spiritual battle thing with the understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for you, and your faith is built up, you understand that nothing can separate me from the love of God, right? And you talk about, read the book of Romans, you know, height and depth and all kinds of crazy stuff will not separate. If you walk in that knowledge and understanding and that truth and you're equipped with that, then you know what it means to be strong in the Lord. Because positional victories happen before practical victories, don't they? I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? But the choir needs preaching too, right? Because the choirs are, are we're all the same, right? We, put, we might put on... Only oh, robes are going to be clothed in robes of righteousness. Not self-righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Can I go on? Okay. Because like I said, my game was canceled till tomorrow, so I don't have to rush home. <laughs> so strength begins in weakness. I love what Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia. He goes, I know your deeds. And I put before you an open door that no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my... You have a little power, but you've been faithful. I love that. Now the strength, look at verse 10 again. He says, how many says in the strength of his might in your Bible? How many have that? And, how many, and, and, and I have in the might of his strength. That's confusing, isn't it? Like, let me just give you what this looks like. Okay, The first word, if it's strength or might, it's the Greek word... Kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S. Sounds like a Greek god or something, you know, Kratos, you know. No, it's Greek, but it's not a god. It means strength, it means power. Here's what it means. It means the power to control or exert dominion or rule over. This word here means a manifested strength. Here's what manifested means. I've got a set of, of weights. Let's pretend I'm strong, Okay. <laughs> And I lift up those weights. I just demonstrated strength, right? I just demonstrated power. It is power in action. That's what that word means. So we are to be strong in the Lord in the demonstrated strength, right? Of his might. You see that? It's the power to overcome that which stands in the way. So now in yourself, you have no power. But now... In the believer, through Jesus Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit, there is this strength that, is, that has displayed itself, right? And whose strength is it? His strength, right? Now the second word, you see the last word there? My word says strength, other translations say might. It's the Greek word iskus, I-S-C-H-U-S. 
it means inherent strength. Strength as an inherent ability. Now here's what it is. Whereas kratos is me demonstrating that strength by lifting the thousand pounds or whatever it is, right? You ever watch the world's strongest man contest? Guys with no neck and no vowels in their name. <laughs> and they're from Iceland, you know? All those strong people are from Norway or Icelanders, you know? That's that demonstrated strength that God has demonstrated by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the power available to you. But then there's this other strength that's the inherent strength. Here's what it is. It's the six foot six, foot six guy who's hugely muscular walking into church. And he's over there. You take one look at him. He hasn't picked a pencil up, but you know by looking at him, he, boy, that guy is probably really strong. Right? That dude's buff. Right? Okay, that's what that word means. It's the inherent strength. Just by looking at him, you realize, I haven't seen him lift, but I'll bet you he can probably lift three times what I just lifted here. Right? So here's what you have here. You have both the ability. Here's what it means. It's the strength of God that has been demonstrated, but it's the strength of God that potentially, in other words, you haven't exhausted the strength of the Lord, have you? When you say, this thing is too much for me, amen, you are exactly what, but if it's too much for God, you just kind of take, now God is displayed as this, you know, I'm just using illustration here, that nothing you and I will face will ever be too much for God. It's the strength of His might. You see that? So that when you face things that are overwhelming, and they will be overwhelming to you, and you want them to be overwhelming, so that you can fall on your knees and say, God, I can't, but you can. This is something I have, oh, I haven't faced something. I'm just, I'm I'm in a different weight class than that guy. You know, the devil doesn't care. He'll He'll send strong demons, but guess what? He even the strong demons have to bow to Jesus Christ, right? By the way, when it says that uh, in, in Revelation uh, 19 or 20, when, when Satan is, is thrown to the bit, he sends an angel. It doesn't say, which angel? Is this some angel? <laughs> Take the serpent and just throw him into the pit, right? I mean, it means nothing. God's strength is infinitely powerful. You can't get to the limits of the strength of God. And when you say, I don't have the strength, you're exactly right, but God has the strength, Right? He has the strength to give you the encouragement you need when all you know what is against you, right? He has the strength when you're facing tremendous enemies and discouragement and everything is going wrong and it's not going your way. He has the strength to do something about it. David had to uh, strengthen himself in the Lord because things people wanted to stone him. Uh, when you are tired, the strength of God encourages and, and, and strengthens you and encourages you. And when you are facing things that are fearful, that's why it's like be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might because He will enable you to carry on. He will carry you through because God Himself has been strong in battle. That's why He told Joshua, I'm going to go before you and I'm going to fight for you. Here it, here it is. I'm going to end with this. Watch this. You can be strong in the Lord and strength of His might. And that means strong by trusting Him. 
Or you can be strong in yourself and you try to tackle on your own. Here's the illustration. Joshua, go to Jericho, that walled city, and march around it a bunch of times. Y'all just came out of the desert. Y'all have never been trained in warfare. Hey, take some pots and pans, you know, and clang them together. And light some candles and some flashlights. Let's modernize it, you know. Take some flashlights, some pots and pans, and march around the city of Jericho. That walled city, by the way, you know, it was walled, and they had nothing to push the wall over, you know. And it wasn't because of the cosmic things of them hitting the, you know, the clanging symbol, you know, the clanging things because the, the sound waves made the, the, the walls come down. It was, that's nonsense, right? What do they do? God says, go around the city, and once you march around it for several days, and then the last day, once you blow trumpet and praise me, and just kind of like, just do that, right? And guess what happens? The walls fall down. And the people standing outside, they say, what kind of ridiculousness is this? Right? There's a demonstration that if you will follow what I say, I will bring walls down. I will unlock change. I will set people free. I will roll stones and people come along. I will do that. Not because you've done something to sort of tap into the secret energy of the earth. No, because you've been faithful and obedient and trusting me to come through and I will bring those things. That's what it means to be strong in the Lord. You see that? But there's another case where they face the city called I. AI. It's not artificial intelligence or <laughs> which to me is a whole nother the city of I, they have been disobedient to God, and God says, hey, don't go there, because I'm not going to be with you. And they went anyway. And they went in their own strength. Hey, we can do this. We're so sorry, God. We are disobedient to you in the past. And we, we, we learned our lesson. And God says, I'm not going to be with you. And they went to the city, and they got defeated. Okay, that's fighting in the flesh. See the difference? This takes trust and faith and surrender. And God doesn't want to have victory because of your strength. He wants victory because of his own strength. Stop trying to put God as your little doll and control what he does. Surrender and trust him. Right? That's why Paul ends with praying at all times. Paul doesn't say, no, because of these, what I'm teaching you here, here's 14 principles of how to have a successful life in ministry. No, he says, I'm gonna, y'all need to pray. Y'all need to pray that I get the right words to say. Well, you're the Apostle Paul. You should, you should have graduated from apostleship school, right? Paul says, I need the Lord to give me the words to say. Now, if Paul needed that, and by the way, when he was in writing, it says he was strong in writing, but in person, he wasn't impressive. You know, he's a short little guy, maybe had a little nose, maybe had some eye problems, we don't know. He's like, well, that's the Apostle Paul. I'm not impressed, you know, I'm not, you know, because you're judging by the flesh. But behind the Apostle Paul, behind every Christian and indwelling each Christian is the power of God to do amazing things. That's why we pray. Things happen when we pray. You don't see it? But God's moving. Anyway, I'm done. Praise the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Let us grow in our... Let us grow weak in ourselves, but strong in the Lord, right? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that You are our, our strength. And I love the Psalms, Lord. Uh, 
You are our defense, and we're not going to be greatly moved, Lord, as Psalm 62 says. Lord, you are, you are our stronghold, Lord. Father, help us, Lord, to continue to grow in, in who we are in Christ and our position in Christ and to understand that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to us, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone here, maybe there's somebody struggling with, with intense spiritual battle or, or discouragement or, or they know that they're going the wrong path, but for some reason they feel that they're, they're, they don't know what to do, Lord. I pray, Lord, uh, whether they come and pray after at the church with me or another brother up here, or whether they even right now say, Lord, please help me, God. Please, please lead me. I want to lean on you and surrender myself to you, Lord. I pray you bring these people, whoever it is, or if there's more than one of us, whoever, Lord, that you would lead them to a surrendered faith, Lord, a faith that is fully living dependently on you, Lord, to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And Lord, I pray your blessing on my friends here. Pray your blessing on those who are watching online. We pray, Lord, uh, Lord, that you would teach us to continue to walk by the power of the Spirit and to realize that the victory is yours, but yet there's still fights to be done, and the fight has to be done in the strength of the Lord, not in ours. Let us trust you and be led by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Why don't we stand up? We stand up. It's good seeing, seeing everyone today, and uh, bless God, he's so good. And, and uh, remember, um, uh, every day is a new day. Start the day off with these words. Say, Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in you. Let me, let me trust you each day, one day at a time, one moment at a time until we go to glory with the Lord. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may the Lord help you to realize that He is your champion, that He is victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Fill out a guest card if you're first time. Uh, fellowship. And uh, we'll see everyone next time. 25th.